Constellation. 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 Welcome to Inner Bloom, a podcast about spirituality and intuitive empowerment where we help each other evolve and ascend through conscious community. I'm Alexa, a healer who utilizes EFT, also known as tapping, to help you process stuck emotions, release limiting beliefs, and reconnect with your inner child. I'm Ambrosia, a psychic medium and Arcturian channel, here to uplift and inspire you to see that you are capable of more than you know. Together, we empower people to live extraordinary lives. We do want to warn you, if you hang out with us long enough, you'll start to believe in yourself and realize that you're capable of anything. Enjoy Enjoy the the show. This episode is brought to you by Pamela Chen. Pamela is the co-founder of Quantum Wealth Coaching and Seven Figure Goddess Mastermind. She's also the creator of the Crystal Unicorn Tarot, Witchling Academy Tarot, and author of Enchanted Crystal Magic with Llewellyn Worldwide. Pamela is a business ascension and energetic wealth strategist with her business partner, Lisa Robertson, and they help spiritual entrepreneurs unlock their mission, activate their prosperity codes, and create high-ticket offers so that they embody abundance on all levels. You can find her on Instagram at Pamela Unicorn or inside of her sacred Facebook group, Quantum Wealth Collective, for luxe goddess entrepreneurs. Hello, hello. Welcome back once again to Inner Bloom Podcast. I am Alexa. I am Ambrosia. Hi, everybody. And we are joined today by a very special guest, Coot Blackson, who is a transformational teacher and a national best-selling author of You Are the One and soon to be The Magic of Surrender. Hi, Coot. Welcome to the show. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. It's it's really such a pleasure to have you here. I was telling you offline, you're someone that followed for a long time. You have just such beautiful messages and teachings. And um, yeah, I know our audience is going to be really in for a treat today um, with you. So would love if you could you know, tell people maybe who haven't heard of you just a little bit about your story and background and, and how you came to be doing what you're doing now. Sure. Yeah, I was born in Ghana, West Africa. My father's from Ghana. My mother's Japanese. Uh, I grew up in London, uh, moved to the U.S., lived in L.A., now in Miami and Mexico and all over the place. Uh, So I feel like a citizen of the world. Um, But from a very young age, I always felt a deep calling to help people in some way. From a very young age, I was a very sensitive kid, very empathic, so I would feel people very deeply. And there was uh, a deep desire and impulse to kind of alleviate people's suffering in in some way. I didn't know what that would look like, but I always felt this. And um, I was a very curious kid, so I began to question life and question everything, like what's the purpose of life and why are we and where do we come from and where are we going? And is is I'd see people who had every reason to be happy that seemed to be miserable. And I grew up around a lot of folks that didn't have very much. Uh, and seemed to be fulfilled and happy. And it was like, what's up with this uh, dichotomy? And so for me, I began asking the questions. What's the purpose of life? Is it just to wake up and, you know, go to work, make babies, go on vacation, buy a house, buy a car, and then die? Like, surely there has to be more to this whole existence than just that. And so this began my questioning. And for me, as a young boy, 
my first memories too were being, I was a chubby kid. And so I remember being lost in the crowd in Ghana, West Africa, and seeing a crippled woman crawling on the floor. She picks up the sand that this man walks on, wipes it on her face, stands up. And week after week, I grew up seeing <clears throat> blind people see the same man whose sand she picked up uh, would look at a woman in a wheelchair and say, why are you in this wheelchair? You're not sick, stand up. And she would say, but I haven't walked in 10 years. No, stand up and back and forth and stand up and boom, another miracle. And so I saw, I grew up around miracles that really seemed normal to me. This man was my father. He had, uh, con he was considered the miracle man of Africa. Um, built 300 churches in Ghana, West Africa, hundreds of thousands of followers, a huge church in London. And so I grew up in this spiritual context and environment. And when I was age eight, my speaking career began. Uh, I was thrown into the audience one Sunday. Uh, I wasn't really interested in, you could say going to church, but uh, I was put on the front row. Uh, and my father said, my son's gonna speak. He's gonna give the message for the day. And that's what began my speaking. I was thrown on stage, words started started to flow through me, had no idea what I was saying. And that began everything, you know, it was like things started started to flow. And so from eight to 14, I was speaking a lot in my father's churches, but at 14, something happened where my father announced to the congregation, my son's taking over my ministry. And this was a complete shock to me. This was not what I wanted for myself and my life. My life was totally set out for me. Um, I knew that this was not my path. I knew that this was not what I was here to do. I knew that this was not my soul's destiny. But the truth is I was too afraid to tell the truth. I was too afraid to tell my father, this is not for me. My fear was if I dared to be myself, if I dared to speak my truth, then I'd be, I'd lose his love. I'd be alone, I'd be outcast. And so I didn't say anything for four years and went through a very tumultuous uh, inner uh, questioning of my purpose and what to do and what not to do. And so by the time I reached 18, I had to make some decisions about my future. And at this point, you know, I'd been reading and meditating and studying and reading books and hundreds of books and self-help and spirituality. And so for me, spirituality and personal growth was my passion. I wanted to go into this field. And so now I just had to tell my father, I'm not taking over your churches. And it was a terrifying moment. Sometimes we think that we have to get rid of fear but the reality was I was terrified, but I finally told my father, who was like an iconic person for me, that I'm not taking over. And uh, we didn't speak for two years, honestly. Uh, it was very challenging. Um, I felt so alone. I didn't have his support, had no one's support except my mother. And yet I felt this calling in my heart. And the calling was to come to America. I looked into my future and there were two parts. There was the expected path, which was doing what my father and everyone expected. And I looked into that trajectory and I saw that I could be successful by everyone else's standards. But if I didn't have my soul, if I didn't have myself, if I didn't have my truth, then what the hell do I have? Yet I felt this other path calling me, this totally unknown path to go to America, to pursue my dreams, to, to follow my, my soul's calling. And yet it was completely unknown, yet it felt right. And uh, I chose to do that, you know, and, and when I had the conversation with my father, I felt so alone. And uh, I remember having a conversation with God and saying, you know, universe, you give me this vision, you give given me this dream. What the hell do I do? Cut long story short, I end up winning 
this is like six, six to seven months later, I end up winning a green card in the green card lottery. And that's what enabled, I know it sounds crazy, but it's true. Uh, American government gives away 55,000 green cards in the green card lottery. That enabled me to come to the US, two suitcases, $800 in my pocket, and just showed up in Los Angeles as an 18, 19 year old kid, knew no one, scared, excited, terrified, all of it. But it felt as though I was following my truth and following my path. And that began my journey. I went and found teachers and authors, all the folks I'd read about. Wayne Dyer, Louise Hay, Marianne Williamson, Chopra, you know, to uh, motivational speakers, uh, Tony Robbins, Brian Tracy, uh, Mark Victor Hansen, on and on, and studied with some of them, learned from some of them, found healers, found, men found mentors. Uh, when I made some money, I started traveling the world and went to India and studied with mystics and enlightened masters and went to Israel, studied with rabbis, went to Thailand, studied with monks, all in a quest to try to, I think for me, understand my purpose, understand myself and went through my own healing journey. And it was really out of that, that I created uh, a way of working with people at that time, one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, it's really about uncoaching people, unconditioning people. And it's really out of that, that my work began going. One person showed up, another person showed up, and I helped that person. And just organically, one led to the next, led to the next. And before I knew it, people started coming from all over and going to seminars and writing books and all of that good stuff. So that's a bit of my journey. Wow. That that is, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say, it's a really beautiful story. It's a really beautiful, you know, um, like you said, we're talking today about, you know, your new book, which is The Magic of Surrender. And it really, I, f I feel like you see little notes of that in that story of like, I don't know how this is going to happen. I feel, I see the vision, but I don't know how, right? And that surrender and the path just appears. People on Facebook are saying such a fascinating journey. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So I love your story. I've heard it before, but I was listening to it like it's the first time I've heard it. Like, oh my gosh. Um, but it's so beautiful. And I think the question that I have for you is from mm. all of that over your years, mm. what's the biggest takeaway that you've had? What's the biggest thing you've learned? From all of my journey. All of your journey. Yeah, honestly, I mean, not to make it about the book, but for me, it comes down to surrender. Mm -hmm. Honestly, uh, all everything I've learned, everything I've studied, everything, all the concepts, all the ideas, all the theories, all the everything. The bottom line for me is it's come down to truly just surrendering and trusting life and trusting in the intelligence of life. And I think surrender is the sort of is the doorway that we come to when we've studied and done everything else is like. There it is. I mean, ultimately, it is the pathway, but many times we have to go through all these other pathways to get to the realization that surrender is the way. If you look at all the great ones, Jesus, Buddha, Gandhi, Mother Teresa, uh, Muhammad, you know, uh, Lao Tzu, uh, uh, Mandela, at some point, they all had to surrender themselves to life, to the mm. flow, to the intelligence, to, to a vision that was bigger than themselves. And they all got to the point where I believe the reason that they were so great and were able to manifest 
incredible things that impacted humanity is that they got themselves out the way. They surrendered themselves to being used by life and life began to flow and create and live and express and use them in ways that they couldn't imagine. And so for me, surrender is the key. Surrender is the password to freedom. Surrender is the is the key to manifesting at the next level. And I think in our culture though, uh, there's this idea or this misconception that surrender is weak, that surrender is passive, that if you surrender, you're going to be left behind. If you surrender, you're going to be a doormat. If you surrender, you're going to be taken advantage of it. If you surrender, you won't manifest your goals, dreams, and desires. You're going to have to live in the Himalayas, give everything up. You'll be homeless. You know Who the hell wants to do that? And so uh, for me, what I'm really saying, what I found is if you surrender, what if you actually got more? More, more than you could imagine, intention, plan with your mind, with your ego, with your personality. What if in the surrender, life gave you more? And so just to clarify, for those listening who might be like, oh, shit, surrender. What, what do you mean surrender? Isn't that? No, to me, surrender is not laziness. It's not passivity. Surrender is to let go of what's no longer aligned, what's no longer a vibrational match. It's to release and let go of the old. Many times... We hold on to the old out of familiarity, out of comfort, out of safety, out of the self-preservation of our identity, but holding on to what's no longer aligned just keeps us stuck. To me, surrender is to let go of trying to control every little thing in our lives that we really don't have control over. And if last year, 2020, this pandemic has shown us something, we really aren't in as much control as we think we are. To me, control is an illusion to a degree, and it's it's like the master addiction, right? And so it's to let go of this idea that we're in control of everything. It's to let go of trying to force and fit life into our limited idea of what we think it should be and who we think we should be and the life that we think we should be living rather than opening to the life that is happening now and opening to the authentic nature of what life is seeking to express through us. And so to me, it's a powerful shift. Surrender is a powerful shift from an old paradigm, which is an ego-based model. And I think many times self-help and a lot of teachings teach this old paradigm, which is about what do I what what do I want? What do I want? Me, I, this identity, this personality. And so you might manifest based on what you want or what you think you want, but many times you get what you thought you wanted only to be like, mm, is this it, you know, or you get what you thought you wanted only to realize that what you thought you wanted is not what you really wanted. It's just what you thought you wanted based on who you thought you were. And many times the goals, dreams, and desires that we set can be sort of like unconscious uh, projections of certain unmet needs that we think, oh, if I can achieve that, then I'm going to be finally be okay and enough, et cetera, et cetera. And so this old paradigm is about what do I want to me? in terms of surrender and what I've learned in my life really is, is about asking a different question. To me, it's a new paradigm that I feel as a humanity, we're kind of in a surrender seminar right now. As a humanity, we're being initiated into this new way of being, which is really about, so more and more, I, I'm, I, I'm kind of moving into a place and living in a place of asking the question, 
What is it that life wants to express through me? What is it that the universe wants to manifest through me? What is the deepest impulse that my soul is seeking to express? And it's really about aligning with that authentic, deep impulse of life and allowing life to live us, allowing life to create through us. I think that's when we transcend personal power, we transcend ourselves, we then tap into the, really, the infinite potential of the universe and life begins to move us and express through us and manifest through us. And I think that's when miracles happen. That's when, that's when, uh, that's when Jesus happens. That's when Bruce Lee happens. That's when Muhammad Ali happens. That's when Martin Luther King happens. All of these people, they did more than they could have done with their own sort of egos uh, ability. And I think for me, that's really what I've learned is just surrender is the key. Surrender is the key to, to I think freedom essentially that is so that's so beautiful and so true and i guess my next question for you would be so many people live life in fear right i'm afraid that if i leave my job i'm not going to find another one i'm afraid that if i leave my spouse i'm going to end up alone right and it's this fear of i don't want to be in this situation but i don't know what the other situation looks like so i'm going to stay in comfort like you're talking about so are there little things because asking yourself, how does life want to live through me? How does the universe want to express itself through me is beautiful. Is there, are there other little things that everyone can do each day to help them surrender and move out of fear? Um, look, I think fear is nothing wrong with fear. I would actually say that if you feel no fear in your life and you feel like, oh, I feel no fear, I feel no fear. And to me, the goal is not feeling fear. Fear is just an emotion is mm-hmm. energy. It's a signal. But many times we let fear hijack us and run our lives. And when there's actually no reference or nothing to be afraid of, we're still living in fear. Now, to me, fear is not good or bad. It's just energy. It's just something to pay attention to. And so we can have a relationship with it, cultivate a relationship with fear and 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 kind of allow it to guide us, allow ourselves to be present, allow ourselves to observe. Many times fear is actually excitement without breath. And so I think when we're able to just breathe into the moment, then we can expand and be with the fear and and, and use that fear to bring us more present into the moment and use that fear to to help uh, allow us to be even more alive, uh, even more excited. And so if you feel no fear in your life, likely what I found, probably you're living a life that is very, very comfortable. Probably you're not growing. If you feel no fear, probably the life you're living is way too small. It's way too small. You're playing way too safe. If I said right now, stand up and go to the kitchen, you'd feel no fear because there's no growth there. There's no growth walking to the kitchen and opening your fridge and getting some water. That There's no evolution there, right? And so I think for all of us, there comes a moment in our life where the life that we're living no matter how good or great becomes too small for what our soul is seeking to become. And so then we have to, we have to go beyond who we are. The next level of our life requires the next level of us, which requires that we let go of, of the old and what's not working. And so to me, the fact, if you feel fear, if you're growing and evolving and expanding and stretching outside of your comfort zone, you're going to feel some fear. And, and it's, 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 a, it's a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful thing. I think we just have to develop a relationship with that to breathe into it, to be present to it, and, and 
not let it stop us. You know, for me, anything I've done in my life and what I've done in my life where I've grown, where I've achieved something, I've always, I've always had to come up against the edge of my own current capacity for who I know myself to be or go where I've never gone before. That can be scary and it's okay. For me, when I had the conversation with my father, and just having a conversation with, with my father, I was terrified, ter- like shaking in my you know, boots, walking up the stairs to speak to this guy who's iconic. I'm going to break my father's heart. I was terrified. So you don't have to get rid of the fear, but you do get to acknowledge the fear and feel into your heart and feel the truth and still just take a small step. Even if it's not a big step, I, I invite people, take a small step, at least in the direction of what you want. Even if it's a small step, take a small action, but but move in the direction and, and let go of the idea that you don't have to have any fear. But, but then you really, I think that's how we access courage, you know? Uh, I think anyone that did anything great, Mandela, Martin Luther King, I'm sure they had fear in moments, but they didn't let that stop them. And so I think we can acknowledge the fear, have a relationship with it, and still move through. Each time we move through, we expand. Each time we move through, we take the action, we evolve, we grow, we grow our capacity. As we grow our capacity, we become more mentally, emotional, spiritually in our body, in our nervous system, capable and ready to handle the next level. You know, so I think it's beautiful to feel the fear and and you know, it, it's when when you're when you're in a moment of surrender. One of the things that I think we have to also give up is this constant need to know everything. Mm. There's a constant need of, I got to know every single second of my life and every single moment and what's going to happen and what's going to happen and what's going to happen and what's going to happen. And I think that can be the ego's way of trying to control. And, and, and so I think to really surrender is, is to feel as deeply into our souls and our hearts and our truth as we can and move in that direction, give 100%, but also allow life to, to lead us, you know? Like what is it to allow life to show us, allow life to lead us, allow life to reveal itself to us moment to moment to moment. In terms of fear too, I would just invite people as you look into your life, so how do I trust life? Oh my God, how do I? It's, it's, well, if you look at life, I'm going to flip it and ask a different question. How can you actually not trust life? Mm. How do I trust life? I'm afraid. How do you not trust life? This life that's been around for billions of years. You and I, we've been around 30, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 80. Maybe someone listening in is like 100 years. Maybe someone listening in is 200 years old. That would be cool. 200 years old, <laughs> listening to this podcast with Alexa and Ambrosia. Amazing. <laughs> But that's a minuscule in comparison to the evolution of life itself. And I really believe life has an intelligence. So how can you not trust life? If you just even look at your physio, let's let's not get spiritual for a moment. Let's just get like 3D biological, your body. Look at this thing. It's like, wait a second. It's happening, right? Right now we're on this call. Folks are listening. We're breathing. We're breathing. Breath is happening. We're not sitting here going, oh my God, how am I going to breathe? I'm afraid I'm not going to breathe. Will I breathe? I have to do some special thing. Breathe, breathe. It's just in spite of us, breath is happening. We don't know how it's happening, but it's just happening. You don't have to be a good person, a bad person. It's happening. How do we not trust this this thing 
that's happening. So I'd invite people to just tune in, bring your attention to the, the reality of what you are. Observe the breath and just like sit with that for a moment, meditate on your breath for a moment because it is a signal, in, it, it, it's a reminder of the trustability of life. Breath is happening every moment. Maybe we had breakfast, you had, the, you had a banana or kale, a smoothie or what have you. How is it that one's ear doesn't turn into a banana? You eat a banana, your ear doesn't turn into a banana. It's, there's an intelligence inside of us that knows how to process. Wow, you know, there's trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions of processes happening every second in spite of us that we're not even thinking of. How do we not trust life? We've just disconnected from this incredible innate intelligence that is what we are. So I tell everyone, just tune into your body. Sit with that for a moment. We, we, we're so distracted out here that we forget, wait a second, Something is going on. Tune into that. Feel that intelligence. Look at nature. You know, every day the sun rises. I haven't seen a day in my life where at midday it was pitch black. It's like, what happened? The sun just forgot to come out today. It, it's just the rhythm of nature, the cycle of nature. And so I think when we bring ourselves into relationship with what we are and nature, that we are also a part of nature, then I think part of it is to surrender to life, surrender to the flow surrender to this intelligence that is functioning you and me and 8 billion people and all of existence and all of life and trust that even when, you know, many times when things don't work out according to plan, we freak out. When things don't work out how we picture in our mind, we get concerned. When things don't work out, we think something's wrong. But I think sometimes to trust that even when things don't work out, we're not always able in the moment to see from the ego's perspective, the, the, the infinite tapestry of the perfection and the interconnected perfection of how that moment is amazing. We're not able to see it in the moment, but but I think many times in retrospect, when stuff doesn't work out years later, then we go, oh, okay, I, 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 I finally understand. That relationship many years ago that let's say we really, really, really wanted to be with that person as my soulmate, I can't imagine not being with that person. Oh my God, why it, it, it broke? What, I, why did my heart break? I didn't understand, I'm cursed, God doesn't love. And then now you look back and go, thank you. God, I didn't end up, thank God I didn't end up with that person. And so I think many times when things don't work out according to plan, we, we lose trust, we don't trust, we, we, our trust is shaken, we go into fear. But I think many times when things don't work out, it can be uh, grace, can be a blessing. And so I just invite people to, to me, part of surrender is the willingness to live with an openness, is the willingness to live with curiosity you're just like huh don't be so sure to attach a meaning to what some what we think something means because the moment we attach meaning we, we kind of limit the possibilities in that moment rather than saying okay i don't know i don't know why this is happening rather than going into fear or or, or contracting let me just stay open okay if the universe is evolving there's an intelligence in the universe the same intelligence that when i cut my finger it knows how to heal itself without me doing anything in that same intelligence, if it's real, then maybe it knows how to unfold my life. And so how many things that didn't work out, maybe if you look back, turned out better than you imagined, better than you imagined. And so I think it's just breathing, remembering, 
you know, trusting, trusting life. I love that so much. That was such a, a powerful answer and so many, so many nuggets in there. I have to go back and listen to that because I wanted to take notes like 50 times, but I couldn't write fast enough. But I did want to ask you about something, you know, it came to mind as you're talking about this, about, you know, plans and trusting life and opening yeah. to life. Sure. So the question that comes up for me is, what is your perspective on social media and like hustle culture, right? Because we're in this time now where one would say we have more access and more opportunity, right, to go out and get your life, go out and, you know, like seize the day or make oppor- make opportunities happen, right? Which to some degree is true. You, you have so many opportunities to act. But I feel like it's also contributing to this anxiety of like it's never enough. I can't relax and just let this day go by. I can't relax and let the moment go by. So I'm just curious, what is your perspective on that social media and hustle culture? I mean, social media to me is neutral. Social media by itself is neutral. Like electricity is neutral. Money is neutral. It's neutral. It's just how we use it in our relationship with it. It can be used beautifully to connect us. I mean, we can connect, we can connect right now. We can connect with people and observe people's lives in the middle of like Nepal and Pakistan and Africa is like, it's a beautiful thing to connect us, but it's all in our relationship with it. And many times, you know, uh, when we get our identity wrapped up in social media and our identity, our self-worth, our value and the list goes on, then I think it can become toxic and unhealthy. We start comparing ourselves. We start feeling this. We start judging it. And we get addicted to the attention. We get addicted to, 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 to social media. And so that's when I think it can be unhealthy. So I think it's just important that we have a healthy relationship with social media so that rather than it using us, we're able to use it with intention for an intention and a purpose that is aligned with what we want to put out into the world. That's, that's one piece. In terms of hustle culture, uh, and, and hustling. And look, this is why I think I said the old ego-based paradigm is really like, what do I want? And, and I see so many people hustling and that we're hustling, we're hustling, we're hustling, oh, going, going, going 100 miles an hour, work, hustle, hustle. You see it. Oh my God, person's hustling. I'm hustling. But the question is, what are you hustling for? And why are you hustling? And many times we don't even know why the hell we're hustling. We're just hustling because they're hustling and they're hustling. We think the hustle is where it's at. You got to crush it. You got to hustle. And it's just the ego hustling to get what it thinks it wants based on who it thinks it is. But if we're not in touch with who we really are, then even if you hustle and get what you thought you wanted, you'll never be fulfilled. Many, so we don't actually, to me, there's an old paradigm. Of like we, we set a goal and we're hustling for that goal. But many times the goal that we're hustling for is not even what we really want. It's often a, a projection of unmet, unmet needs from childhood. Dad wasn't around, mom wasn't around, we were, we were bullied in school, we felt not enough, we felt this, we felt that. So we have this, this unconscious idea from our wounding that if I can just hustle and get that thing, if I can hustle and get that car, get that house, get that body, get that career, get that fill in the blank, then it's then I'm going to finally be enough. Then I'm going to finally be okay. Then I'm going to finally be fulfilled. Then I'm going to finally be whatever it is I think I'm going to be. And then when we achieve the thing, it, it will never, not, an external goal will never fulfill an internal need. Never fulfill. This is why I see a lot of people who are on social media and 
have all the thing, but when I meet them in real life, they're freaking miserable. Mis- miserable. You got the Lamborghini, you got this, miserable. And nothing wrong with having the success, but you often find that, wait a second, I think we have to deepen the question. We have to deepen. I think we have to start from the foundation of who am I really? Like really, who, when I strip away the conditioning and I get rid of, you know, un- underneath the wounds, like who am I really? When we connect to who we really authentically are, then we can align with what is it that I really want? What is it that I really want? And, and so I see many times, not only do we achieve goals and feel dissatisfied, but I see also uh, see, see folks that uh, in the process of creating life, we end up sabotaging ourselves or we end up uh, self-sabotaging, self-destructing, going into addiction because we're not fulfilled. Now that we have the life we thought we wanted to have, which can be even worse because now we have the life we thought we wanted to have and we're still miserable, that's worse than not having it because when you didn't have it, at least you were hustling for it and there was the illusion that it was going to make you happy. Now you have it, uh, now you, you don't feel any better. And so I think we have to really... Uh, I think social, the, one of the dangers of social media is it can reinforce this, this uh, idea, a false idea of what success is. It can reinforce a false idea of what beautiful is, you know, what beautiful for a man is, beautiful for a woman is, successful. Man, it, and, and so when we buy into that, we become hypnotized. And so I think it's important that we unplug ourselves from the matrix and really connect to ourselves and really soul search and not let social media or television or what have you determine and hypnotize us with a sense of this is what success is. This is the life you should be living that we really get to question who am I? What's true? What's authentic? What makes me really happy? Then you align with that, connect with that purpose. What's life seeking to express through me? Then if you're hustling, the hustle is not coming from, I got a hustle so I can get that so I can be happy. Never lead to happiness. Then if you hustle, because look, Jesus hustled. I'm sure uh, Mandela hustled. I'm, so, I'm sure Martin Luther King hustled. And I'm sure as hell uh, Mother Teresa hustled. But where they were hustling from was a different place. They weren't hustling to get something. They were hustling from an internal alignment. Mm-hmm. And I think that's different. So when we really connect to our truth and our purpose, then the hustle is not to get something. The hustle is really to give something to the world and to serve the world from a deeper place. And it's just a different place and a different motivation. So that's that's what I would say. We have to question, and it can be really difficult in a world where, you know, there is a fight for our attention. The media, the news, social media, and, you know, many of these channels, nothing wrong with them, they don't have our mental health, our soul's health, our well-being as priority. I'm not sure Instagram or what have you is like, yes, our, our priority is the enlightenment, the awakening, the conscious evolution of our, uh, you know, of, of everyone who's, uh, who's on Instagram or everyone who's on Facebook. Right? No, yeah. th- 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 their goal is your attention. You, we get your attention, we get your eyeballs, we get advertising, we get more successful. So I think we just have to be really conscious and intentional and awake and aware. And, and then we can navigate this matrix of life with, with discernment. Wow. Yeah, that was really beautifully said. And um, I think that is, I think that is the, 
that is part of the challenge is that willingness to, because there's this illusion with social media too, mm. that like that's where life is, that that's where it's at. That's how you connect with people. And I think it's- Oh, this- yeah, it's an illusion. You right, it. it's an illusion. It's an illusion. This is what I was telling my friend the other day. Okay, because you meet sometimes, you meet people on social, you see people on social media, it's like, wow. But you meet them in real life, it's like, wow. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like the reality is like, <laughs> you know, and, and and so I, I was telling someone, and I tell my, my 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 apprentices who I work with, I was telling them make sure that your that I forget how I said it, but make sure that your social media is not better than the reality of who you are. Because if your social media is better than the reality of who you are, you're screwed. You know, you want the reality of who you are to be way better than anything on social media, and 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 I think. It's, it's hard, you know? I mean, I, I can't imagine being like a teenager or 10-year-old, 15-year-old, growing up in today's culture. I didn't grow up with social media, right? Mm-hmm. So, so imagine like you're born and this is all you know from, yeah. from, from age 12 and the programming. And, the, and so I just think we, uh, it's hard. It's hard. I have a lot of compassion for a lot of the, the, young, the youngsters these days because it's just part of the culture. And I think we just have to be awake and aware to it, you know? The seeking outside validation is so relevant in their generation right now. It's it's constant. Very scary. But I guess they had some kind of soul agreement to go through it. So there you go. So what are some ways that, you know, you spoke a lot about getting back to like knowing oneself and asking who am I and and all of that. What are some ways that let's say somebody is watching this right now, which Everybody's loving this, by the way, on Facebook. Um, let's Hi, everyone say- on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> James Lipscomb said, so glad I made this live. This is good shit. <laughs> so- All right, James. Good shit. Um, I'm glad. Good shit. Um, <laughs> But let's say somebody's watching this and they're like, oh, my God, I don't know who I am. Like, I, I don't know. Okay. And I don't know where to Perfect. start. Like, okay. where do they? Where to start? Yeah. Okay. Where, here's where to start. One of the things that is, I'm going to keep it very simple, but it might be challenging. One of the places that I think we can start or one of the places where we get stuck uh, or blocks us from really evolving are all the ways that we lie to ourselves. In many ways, we're constantly lying, rationalizing, and bullshitting ourselves. We stay in relationships that aren't aligned because it's comfortable, because we've invested so much, because what will people think, because of social media, because of, you know, whatever it is. And we work jobs just for survival that numb our souls. And we know this is not the reason for why I was born and put on this planet. And it kills us inside. And so... We keep ourselves stuck by all the lies that we constantly tell ourselves about who we are, what we are, what we desire, where we're going, what our purpose is, and what we really want. So one of the places I invite people to begin is by really telling oneself, beginning to tell oneself the truth. And so a couple of questions really start with, what lies am I telling myself? That's number one. To me, the truth sets us free. To me, truth is real spirituality. You know, to me, truth is a real meditation. It's a real prayer. You can meditate, but if you're bullshitting yourself, nothing's going to change. You can pray, but if you're still lying to yourself, nothing's going to change. So I think we have to start with what lies am I telling myself? Then look at, well, what am, what, what am I pretending to not know? 
because many many ways we play a game of confusion i'm not sure i'm confused i don't know I'm this and that when deep down we know we have a sense we have a sense there's a part of us deep down intuitively that knows we know deep down the truth because we're connected to everything, but we sometimes deny the truth. Oh, it's not that important. I mean, how many times, maybe folks listening in, you've been in a relationship and you were like, oh, I don't know. Is this the one? Should I stay? What should I do? I'm not sure. Alexa, should I stay? Should I go? Ambrosia, what do I do? And then, and then you maybe went on for like two years. The moment you broke up, the moment you broke up, you told your friend, I knew that wasn't going to work. You just, you just knew. And your friend asked you, well, when did you know? Not kind of when I first met the person within the first week. We know there's a part of us that knows, but we're afraid. So we have to truly evolve and be powerful. We have to be willing to be ruthlessly honest with ourselves, and look at the lies we're telling ourselves, what we're pretending to not know, and give up this game of confusion. I don't know what my, what my purpose is and own it. And really look at what are the lies that I'm telling myself? What is it costing me? In many ways, you will feel when we lie to you, when you lie to yourself, you will feel a pain. It will be painful. It's meant to be painful. When you bullshit and lie to yourself, it's meant to be painful. It's not meant to feel great. It's not, you're not meant to feel happy. To me, pain is a signal and is a gift, really. And it's a signal that you're not living in alignment, that there's some part of yourself that you're betraying. It's trying to tell you something, but in many ways, we deny it, we distract from it, we suppress it, we run from it, we sex it away, drink it away, smoke it away, social media it away, just so we don't have to feel the truth because we're afraid of the consequences. So what I would say is to, to help people begin, actually take the pressure off of having to take any action. Sometimes the pressure of having to take action is like, oh shit, if I tell myself the truth, that means I'm gonna to have to get a divorce. If I tell myself the truth, that means I'm gonna to have to uh, uh, leave, leave my wife or leave my husband. No, just, just, just take the pressure off of having to take action and just acknowledge the truth. I'm in a relationship and I know it's not the one. I know I'm no longer in love. I know it's not a line. You don't have to take action. Just feel that. I think when we bring ourselves into relationship with the feeling, it begins a process inside of healing, of transformation, of letting go. It begins a process inside, even if you don't take action. So that's what I would really also invite people to do. A few people might be wondering, but how do I know I'm lying to myself? If I'm lying to myself, how the hell do I know? And here's, what, here's just what I would say. I think the next couple of points will help folks who aren't sure they're lying to themselves bust themselves in case they're lying to themselves. But after this, you won't be able to, to pretend anymore. So, <laughs> so here's the first thing. Because if someone said, no, no, could, I'm not lying to myself. Everything's fine. I'm not, everything's great. If there's one of these things there, there might be a sign. Number one, I would say you will probably feel some level of consistent um, pain, emotional pain. The emotional pain may manifest in the form of uh, depression, sadness, internal heaviness, res internal resentment, anger. The emotional pain is a signal. You might be lying to yourself, even if you think you're not. You might manifest some physical ailment that might be like a backache, shoulder ache, neck ache, eye ache. The physical ailment of what you're not acknowledging, what you're suppressing, what you're denying, manifest your unconscious manifesting in your body in some way 
to get your attention. It might manifest in a more long-term dis-ease, cancer, thyroid, some long-term dis-ease because the mind and body is connected. Again, the unconscious of what you're suppressing manifesting in your physiology as a way to communicate to you and get your attention. Um, so you might also, I would say, you might start attracting to you people in your life that seem to reflect or play out your suppressed feeling. So you might say, well, could I, why do I keep attracting depressed people? Why do I keep attracting angry people? Everyone else is angry. Why are they all angry? But I'm fine. You know, so, so the fact that you might be attracting that might, might show you, wait a second, is there some lies I'm telling myself? So use any of those signposts to look inside and check yourself and be really, it takes the willingness to be really honest with oneself. What lies am I telling? But I think transformation and a shift happens when we start getting really raw and real and honest with ourselves. And yes, you will lose people. You will lose friends. You will lose some things. You will lose, things will have to clear out from your life. But what I do promise is as you let go and you surrender, what you lose in your life was really not, truly in alignment with who you were anyway. You know, and so I think when we allow that letting go process and shedding, we clear the space, we clear the space for new situations, new possibilities, new relationships to come in. Dang. <laughs> that was awesome. Massive applause from Facebook. And um, yeah, that was really, really helpful, I think, and very powerful. Um, Ambrosia, you are such a powerful speaker. I could listen to you uh, literally all day. You. Do you, you have a podcast? I know you have a book. Yeah, the I'm, book. The book. I'm Magic already Shwanda, sold on the book. Tell the us podcast. where 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 can people get the book? Uh, the book's available on Amazon, all over Amazon. Go there, check it out. Uh, they can get some free gifts. I think they're still up. Uh, the the www.themagicofsurrender.com. You can go there to get some free gifts as well. And the, and the podcast is called Soul Talk. Okay, there you go. Perfect. So we will put the links to get the book and to the podcast in the show notes. So you guys, when you listen to this on the audio version, you can just click in the notes and you'll be directed right there. Highly recommend obviously going and following and getting the book and just, you know, doing whatever Coot's a part of or creating because obviously he's just a huge truth speaker. Judy says, I'm going to Amazon ASAP. Uh, running running emoji. <laughs> Um, Coop, this has just been so amazing. Is there anything else before we? Yeah, I, I would like to say something because you know, Ambrosia talked about fear, and and I really want to see. I really don't want people to just listen to this conversation. Oh, that was nice. That was love. That was inspiring. Go back to doing what they've been doing. I would love people from this conversation, this podcast episode, this live stream, to make a shift. To actually make a shift. So here's what I would like you to remember and consider you are going to die. I want you to feel that right now. No, come on, you're gonna die. Well, my astrologer said I'm gonna, <laughs> you are going to die. Feel that, embrace that. I'm not talking some morbid thing. I don't have a crystal ball, but it is the fact of the reality for every single one of us as human beings. From the moment we're born, it is the guarantee. We come in with that label. 
we will expire. Jesus died, Buddha died, Mother Teresa died, Mandela died, Muhammad Ali died, Bruce Lee, all of the great ones died. You and I are gonna die. None of us know when that moment is coming. I would invite you to feel your death. In so many ways, we, we avoid death. We don't wanna think about death. We're running from death, even this last year. Oh my God, COVID, death, death. But the reality is, it's happening. No death, no life. It's not a matter of will you die, it's a matter of when. It's not a matter of will you die. It's a matter of asking ourselves, how will you live truly? Because life is short. And so if death came right now, would you be ready? And if not, why not? What would you need to say? What would you need to do? What would you need to communicate? What would you need to express? What's unsaid? What's unloved? What's unforgiven? What grudges are you holding on to? What's the shit you're holding on to? What, what, are, you, what, are, you, what are you holding on to? What? Because the truth is, none of us know when that moment comes. You know, the people who died today, the people who were in, you talked about, you know, in Miami, in the building collapse, they had no idea that they weren't going to come home that night, look their loved ones in the eyes and say, look, I really screwed up. I'm sorry. Or I've been holding a grudge for the last five years. Everyone says, nah, screw them. They wronged me. I, I'm not going to speak to them. And then we die. And then we're left with regret. When death comes and we meet our maker, None of us can go to God or whatever we believe and say, can I get a refund on those two years? Can I get a refund on those five years? It's gone. And we know it. We all know it. But we kind of live like we've got time. And we, all I'm saying is, you don't. You don't have time. I don't have time. None of us have time. All we have is this moment. This, only mo this moment right now is really the only guarantee. And so I just want to leave you with, if there's something you want to do, do it. If there's something you need to say, say it. If there's a book in your heart, if there's a creative project, yes, life is scary, life is ter terrifying, life is difficult, life is all of it. But either way, you hold back, you're gonna die. You give, you're gonna die. So how do you want to live? And if, if you know, I think about if these great ones, if they didn't share their gift with the world, Martin Luther King, the ones we've mentioned, the world would be a different place. And if you don't share your gift with the world, the world will be a different place. So live with no regrets. That's what I want to leave you with. That, that is beautiful. That gave me chills. There are moments that people ask, how do I know my guides are talking to me? How do I know other beings are talking to me? This is one of those moments. You are saying things that everyone needs to hear right now. So everyone listening, pay attention, me included. That was a message from a higher source, 100%. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thank you. This was beautiful. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening, for watching. Coot, you're literally welcome back here anytime you want to talk about anything or promote anything. Everyone go get the book and follow Coot's podcast. And until next time, keep on filming. Bye, Bye. everybody. If you've enjoyed this podcast, we would love, love, love it if you would leave a rating and review on Apple iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. If you would like to get in touch for a reading with Ambie, an EFT session with Alexa, or just to say what up, you can email us at innerbloompodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram and Facebook at innerbloompodcast.